Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. We didn't screamed enough this morning, so I don't want to make everybody scream again or whatever. But my wife, I heard her come up here earlier and just break one of the rules of the house and tell everybody to scream instead of how. And some of y'all did it. I saw it from the back, I was hurt. So you know we only howl around here or whatever, so that was just violation. But I still love y'all, it's all good. It's all good. All right, y'all got any uh, good plans for Mother's Day? Huh? Nobody getting no dinner or nothing? Fellas, y'all better say something. Y'all gonna be in trouble in here. Somebody better speak up and be like, yeah, we going to Roof Chris or something. Okay, all right, y'all gonna be in trouble, all right. I'm not going to Roof Chris either, so we all gonna be in trouble together. Um, so I'm happy to have everybody here this morning. We're gonna do, um, this morning, I'm not gonna keep us long because I imagine people have plans this morning for Mother's Day. And um, I woke up not feeling the best this morning, but thank God I made it here. Um, and so I just wanna take some time to kinda dig in the word really quick and um, point to Jesus Christ or whatever and then get to some of the snacks in the hallway and all that good stuff too. Really fast before we start, um, I, um, I'm, after today I'm gonna go have, uh, have lunch with my mom this morning and I've just been thinking about Mother's Day all week long or whatever. So y'all know that, most of y'all know we have a whole bunch of kids. And so it, as I've been thinking about Mother's Day, it's almost been kind of, it's like, what do you do for a mom, right? Like if you like actually stop and watch what like moms actually do, like, you know what I'm saying? I think during this week I've gotten like more convicted by my laziness than ever or whatever. Cause like, you know what I'm saying? Like as I'm thinking about Mother's Day, I'm like, how can, you know, you think to yourself, you're like, how can I serve this week and be helpful and everything else? And then the baby starts crying or like, you know their pamper needs to be changed. And then you start like, you're like, your first thought is like, man, let me act like I'm reading this book over here. I got something to do. And so you just start seeing the ugliness of your heart. You like, and then, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, here comes mom popping up like, yo, I got that. Just no problem. Like, I seriously like, I don't think we um, appreciate you enough, so I, I just want to celebrate all the moms in here for all that you do. I really, really do. Y'all can clap to that or say anything like that. All right, all right, all right, oh, all right. So really quick, I want to share some quotes, quotes with you really quick that I found or whatever, right? So about mothers, it says, it says, if evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? They should, they should have like 10 hands by now or something you would think or whatever, like for real. All right, did y'all get that? Anybody get that? Okay, Ru- this, is, this is Roger Kipling right here. He said, he said, God could not be everywhere and therefore he made mothers. Definitely true, definitely true. And then this last one or whatever is by a, um, a renowned, just a really, really highly esteemed intellectual said this, it says, it's not easy being a mother. If it were, then fathers would do it. And that was, that was Dorothy from the Golden Girls. I know I'm old. Some of y'all don't even know what the Golden Girls are, do you? You know? Who knows what the Golden Girls are? Okay, all right. We're not gonna sing the song, but I do wanna thank everybody for being a friend. I do wanna do that. I don't know the rest or whatever. I was about to mess it up or whatever. 
All right. But, you know, so I think one of the consistent thoughts that you, we have when we think about motherhood is, is uh, I think there's the idea of comfort, there's the idea of safety, right, that comes to our mind. Um, it, you know, kind of studying through some of the text I was going to preach this morning, one of the things I came up on was even just when you look at some of the work of psychologists around mothers and with kids and everything, um, there, there was this one scientist that did this study or whatever where they, they were even testing the relationship of mother, um, mother and kids with when it comes to animals and everything like that, and they were just talking about you can de- deprive someone from food and then release them to go to their mother and then have food there with them, and they will go to their mother just to get the warmth and the comfort that a mother gives off. You feel me? Like, that's how serious, and I think when we look in society today and we look at some of the brokenness of society, we actually see, like, whether it's fatherlessness or motherlessness or whatever, that how important mothers are in the grand scheme of things or whatever. And so, you know, I think that's, that's a testament to what God has done in his sovereignty with giving us mothers and, and his order and his structure and everything. But when it comes to, to Mother's Day, one of the things that's always a hard kind of tension about preaching on this day is that there's a lot of different stories that come into play when we think about mothers, right? So everybody is not, you, you have mothers who have lost children, right? You have mothers who are widows. You have people who actually want to have kids and can't have kids. Um, you have mothers who have a tremendous amount of kids and just feel like they're struggling to do their best, the best they can. Um, and so I, I, I really, I really want to try to respect all of that in the preaching this morning. Um, one of the things I think about, too, is that, you know, some of us have mothers, but we just have more bad memories of our mothers than we have of good ones. So there's a lot of different stories when we think about mothers and, and even just when we think about women in general. So even going into this text, one of the things I did was ask some of my staff and some of the people around me, um, like, what is the best way to actually go into this? What is the best way to kind of preach on this day and talk about motherhood? Um, and, and, and so, and so, so we want to celebrate motherhood, but we also want to generalize it to women as well, because I think there's a lot of stories there that need to be respected, right? Um, and then there's also the Proverbs 31 woman, right? So in Proverbs 31, you have a depiction of a woman who is like basically like superwoman, right? Everybody read Proverbs 31 before? All right, y'all can, y'all can say something today, all right? Y'all can speak, all right? Y'all, you know what I'm saying? Let's do, like, like, I told y'all last week, let's do black church this week, all right? Just be like, be like, amen. Stomp your feet, anything or whatever, right? Even if you don't get it yet, just be like, preach, pastor. Bring it on, pastor. Do, do something. I told y'all I ain't feeling well. I need y'all to send some energy or whatever to me, all right? And so, but you have the Proverbs 31 woman, right? And the Bible talks about this Proverbs 31 woman. She's absolutely amazing. She loves her family. She's got a business on the side. When she walks to the street, everybody respects her, salutes her. She is like pretty much the queen in the community that she actually is in, right? And she's... She's definitely worthy to be praised is what the Bible says. It says, salute her, give her a praise when she comes through. But like I was saying before, she's not the only story, right? When we look in the Bible, you have Eve, right? The mother of creation, and she's lost a son to violence, right? You have Ruth, who became a widow early on in her age. You have Sarah, who struggled with infertility, right? You have the one woman who was with her son, and she's ready to starve, and she's going through things. You understand what I'm saying? You have the woman who's being disrespected when she's washing Jesus' feet. 
So you have all these stories, stories and these narratives or whatever. And when I started thinking about the Proverbs 31 woman, I'm like, man, we're reading this story about this amazing woman. But I started thinking, I'm like, where does her story start and where does it end? Like, is the Proverbs 31 woman, was she the woman in the, like, she could have actually been Ruth, right? She could have been Ruth or whatever who's actually, maybe she was Ruth prior to being widowed. You get where I'm coming from? So, like, because I think in America, what we do, we romanticize the idea of being a mother and a Christian and a godly woman, and we just take the story and go, like, boom, Proverbs 31 woman. Everybody try to be super, super awesome. Dot all your I's, cross all your T's. You get where I'm coming from? But there's so many stories in there. So what is the story for the, for the, for the woman that's in, in, in the story? Maybe that was Ruth. And then maybe at a certain point, things changed whatever when her husband passed away, right? Maybe the woman at the well, who was known to be promiscuous, but... And, 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 and lived her life kind of in the shadows, but then Jesus comes and, and, and speaks life to her. Maybe she's the Proverbs 31 woman. You ever thought about that? Maybe she's that woman. Maybe in the trajectory of her story, that's what God is doing in her life, right? And so I just think there's a whole bunch of variations of things that when we look in the word of God and we talk about this that we have to respect on a lot of levels, right? So I, um, I think that if you look inside of the Bible, you don't see um, in the text the idea of spiritual moms. But I do think that you, I don't think you see the word specifically, but I think you see the concept of spiritual moms inside of the Bible. I think you see it because you see that God has taken what he's done through his son Jesus, and he's putting this out of us, and he's calling us to give it away to other people, right? So he's called us to be light bearers, and he's, and he's called us to deliver light and actually put that inside of people. And so I see this thing in the Bible where he has, he has like Rahab, and he has different women in the Bible who are actually pillars inside of the, their community, and they're doing amazing things or whatever, and it doesn't necessarily tell the story of them always being a mom, but they are a part of the body of Christ, right? They are serving and they are actually giving out the gospel and doing things like that, whatever. So I think that's important for us. And so just recently, um, I, was at, um, I was at a school and I was talking to a group of young boys. And one of the boys starts talking about his mom and like the broken relationship they had at home. And so, so there's several guys inside of the room, and I might have told y'all this before, because it was when I first when I first saw it, it just was one of those reminders where it made me realize how important the church is, and it's how important it is for us to be proactive in speaking the gospel and actually being sacrificial and giving of our time to people and sharing with people and being with people. But what what was going on? One of the boys was telling this story because we do this thing where like they come up, they tell the story of their life, um, they kind of talk about what they've been going through, and you usually hear the story from this this side where it's like my father did this or my father was never around or my father was you know arrested or he's in jail something like that. But one of the boys comes up and he he starts talking about his mom. And he starts talking about like his disappointment and the hurt he was kind of going through with his mother. And then a bunch of people in the room stood up and were like, I'm going through the same thing. They're like, I'm going through the same thing, a bunch of the boys in there. And so 
once I kind of saw this, I kind of bit the, the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, I kind of was just praying through it. Um, and if you notice, even in, in, in a, a lot of the verses and a lot of the scriptures and a lot of the topics that we've been covering over the, over the past couple of months have been based in this idea of sacrifice and giving. And one of the reasons that I'm, I'm always leaning to this sacrificing and giving and how the Bible says to die to yourself that you may live is because I realize when we look in the scriptures, we see God doing this thing where he's like, he's like, give up your life and forsake it, right? That you can give it away and that you can renew what's broken. So when I heard these young men talking about these relationships, I'm like, God, we have to be active in being in people's lives and bringing life and speaking the gospel and being sacrificial. And so even my wife the other day when she was serving at a school, she said the exact same thing. She was like, man, she's like, there is like a need for like mothers and fathers and people to be present. Well, I think we all realize we don't always get that fairy tale story of things that have been broken being fixed. But I think we do know that as Christians and as believers and people called to the ministry of reconciliation, that God actually put us inside of those stories to be redeemers in it. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? All right, I know I'm talking a lot, but I just want you to really, really grasp this. Let me read a scripture to you, all right? So Proverbs 31, it says this. I'm just gonna read the tail end of this scripture. It says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Can you give me some water, Ben? All right, I'm sorry, y'all. Um, there's a couple of things I wanna show y'all in the scripture. So in the beginning of this right here, it says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. So my premise for kind of pushing on this scripture right here is that after Proverbs 31 runs through all of these different things that talks about this amazing woman, it, 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 it lifts her up and it's like, man, she takes care of her home, she takes care of her family, she's respected in the city, and then it kind of sweeps all of that stuff off the table. And it brings all her glory and her splendor to this one thing. So it says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And it says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And it says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring praise at the city gate. So I think one of the things that happen in the world, like especially as a father or whatever, like I'm always dealing with my daughters and everything else. And like they are watching like, pardon me, y'all. I was about to start foaming at the mouth up here and you don't want to see that. Boy, good old water of life. <sighs> All right, praise the Lord. Okay, I'm back. So one of the things I deal with dealing with my daughters is that, um, like, they love watching these YouTube videos, right? So they're always watching these YouTube videos and everything else and stuff. And, like, one of the things I get worried about is that, like, you know, like, you know, I'll see them watching the video, and the next thing they know, they're talking like whoever they're, like, watching on the video and stuff. All right? Or they're, like, mimicking everything. Or they'll, like, be like, hey, yo, I, I want this outfit that I saw this girl on. And I'm always like, boo, like, be you. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. And I don't know what that means in, every, in real life or whatever and stuff. But, like, I'm always, like, I'm, like, 
I want this, I want to see this natural thing. It's same with my son, same with, with, with all my kids or whatever. I'm like, keep your eyes on God and your eyes on the prize or whatever, right? Because I'm like, I don't want them to get swept up with everything because we know the worlds are the lies. It's like, like, like what the world says, the lies are like, yo, you got to walk like this, you got to talk like this, and this is what beauty is, right? And it's this mark, it becomes this thing that just simply is not really reachable. It's just not silly, and, and I don't want them living up under this thing that crushes them, but I want them to find their dignity and everything else in Christ Jesus, right? And so this, this, this verse is so amazing because it, it talks about all these awesome, noble things that, that all of us should do, men and women should do, but it's specifically talking about the woman in Proverbs 31. She does amazing, absolutely things that I think all of us would esteem. But it says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Let me unpack that, what that's saying really quick. The idea is this right here. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about a reverence before God. We're also talking about a humility before God, right? So if you look at, in Proverbs 15, you don't have to turn to it, but Proverbs 15, 33 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility, right? So, this, so there's, this, there's, this refer, there's this reverence for God, and it's different than just being kind of sweet and kind of being classy, right? It's this thing that a person gets very small before God, and because of that, they're very um, attentive on letting God guide their steps. You get where I'm coming from? So the fruit in their life is that God is sovereign, so it makes for patience in their life, it makes, for, it makes for prayer in their life. It makes for their experience the kindness of God, so therefore they give out the kindness of God. So when you talk about the fear of the Lord, it is, it is actually pregnant with a lot of things, for lack of better words. Do you get where I'm coming from? It's a very weighty statement. And so it's, he, he's, it, the, the, the text is using that in contrast to what the world would say is absolutely amazing. And it's saying, no, but what's really amazing is a woman who fears the Lord, and she is to be praised. It says, honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring praise at the city gate. And then in Proverbs 15, when it says, the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. It just marries the two there. It says the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. It's a learned wisdom that comes from the instruction of the Lord. It's different than what other people have. I think, that, I think that's an important statement to say because I think that we become, um, we're, we're impatient like anybody else or whatever, right? And so I believe we become nonchalant about the process and the ways that God does things or whatever because we don't always want to go the long walk like how God does stuff or we're like, God, what I want, I want now where I want to get, I want to get there now. I think, I think a lot of times when it, when, it, when it comes to somebody, like when we read like about the woman in Proverbs 31 or when us men meet about, read about some of the mighty men of God, like we want that right now but I don't know if we always want to go through the story that it actually took for them to get there. You get where I'm coming from? So we don't always want to look at the story and go, man, I may be more so like this person right here in their brokenness, but actually walk through the process and trust God as he begins to build us. You get where I'm coming from? Right? So like sometimes you might experience it this way. 
Um, you ever have people come up to you and they're like, man, like, you know, you're really awesome. I like what you're doing. I really, wanna, I really want you to mentor me or whatever the case may be. And you're like, cool, awesome. But in your mind, you know they're not going to put in the work that it actually takes. Or like they don't understand or grasp what, it, what you've actually gone through to know what you know the process, like, you know, or you might realize they don't have the diligence or the perseverance to push through. Do you get where I'm coming from? So there's like, there's a lot, like I said, that's packed in this idea of the fear of the Lord that is producing this beautiful thing that God is talking about in the scriptures. Um, I just want to read to you, this is 1 John 3, 16. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does, God love, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Excuse me. And so one of the things I want to point to you in this scripture is, um, when he starts off and he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for, our, for the brothers. Um, there's this thing that God is doing in us where we see him on the cross, and God has actually died for our sins, and he's, he, he's, he's, when, when, when we are casting off death from ourselves but receiving life from Christ, God had made a deposit into us. And the Bible says that we are called, not by our good works, but by his grace and his mercy. And one of the things he's doing, he's doing it to perpetuate this thing where we are comforting people in their affliction. But when you get to the end of this scripture in verse 18 where it says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I want to I zone in on that right there because I want to kind of compare this to but a woman who fears the Lord. Um, there's a comparison going on there just like there was in Proverbs 31. So in Proverbs 31, um, what I was telling you is that there's this thing where there's a lot of noble things, but then there's a woman who fears the Lord. That means something very different, right? And at the end here, he says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. But deed and truth means this. Truth means biblical, um, it means Bible, it means the word of God, it means Jesus. You with me? Y'all with me? Y'all awake? All right, okay, all right, all right. I don't feel good today, so y'all gotta work with me. All right, so when, it's, when it says truth, it's talking about the word of God. When it says indeed, it's talking about deeds that are produced from the love of God, right? So it's making a comparison here that's very different. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk. When it's talking about word, it's talking about this idea of loose words that aren't biblically rooted. All right? Just, just words. It's talking about talk. It's talking about people who say they're going to do something but don't do it. Or it's talking about people who maybe have, you know, you ever meet people who are like, yo, man, you know me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I never do that because I'm this kind of guy, I'm this kind of person, and I just don't move like that. And you're like, I just, you just stabbed me in the back. I just still got a dag in my back. Like, and you, but they have like this moral code that they've kind of made unto themselves, but it's actually not true to themselves at all, 
right? So that would kind of be like what he's saying or whatever, where he's saying like, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He's talking about when he talks about, when he gives the reverence in Proverbs 31, and you see that the, it's talking about the fear of the Lord, and it differentiates her from other women, it's saying that she has this esteem, that she lives in deed and in truth. She's a woman of God in the sense of her, her reverence and her posture, and God is Lord and sovereign of her life. Her steps are ordered by God. Do you get where I'm coming from? I know it seems simple enough, but this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Because it's the thing, like, this, it's this, this in-between thing between not in love, excuse me, not in, in word or talk, but in deed and faith, and this other thing that's noble things, but a woman that fears God, it's a, it, it's a, that fears the Lord, it's a reverence for God and his majesty that produces holiness in our life. You get where I'm coming from? It's a difference from going to church and then being the church, right? It's, it's, a, it, it's a difference from being a follower of Jesus, right? And then somebody who casually kind of proclaims Jesus, but like, I'm not following, I'm not gonna follow you. It's, it's what we've unpacked in the past when we talked about being a cultural Christian versus actually being a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Do you get where I'm coming from? So they're, they're pretty much laying down the line, like, what's really, really, really real? Like, like, what's really, really going on here? And so the reason I went into 1 John 3.16 is because when we talk about, we, like, this is the inheritance of the children of God. But we're being told, indeed and in truth, not word and talk. Our walk with Christ should not be one that's nonchalant. It shouldn't be nonchalant, Right? It shouldn't be something where it's like we're kind of open-handed with what we believe is truth and kind of like, yeah, you, like, that sounds good. We'll roll with that. It's, it's Christian-y, so it fits. It's saying, no, stick close to the word. What is actually truth? What is actually the word of God? What actually pours out of the heart of, of the Father or whatever? What is glorifying Christ and what isn't? You get where I'm coming from? Does that make sense? First Corinthians 13 says this. Let me read this. because it kind of gives us a, uh, an example. It gives us clarity on what love is, right? It says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am noisy, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but, not, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not exist, it, is, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So even in this scripture right here, right? This first set of things that are being spoken about, um, it doesn't tell you things like, you know, hey, love is not, um, you know, gossiping against your friend. It doesn't tell us obvious sins. It actually speaks of things or whatever that for some people, they, they would fall in the noble category, like what we see happening in Proverbs 31, right? Like, 
they would be noble things or whatever, like, um, you know, I wouldn't mind having some prophetic powers or whatever, being able to see all type of stuff or whatever, but that's besides the point. But it says, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give, uh, give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So the narrative of that text right there, it takes the conversation from being about all of the awesome things that you actually do, right, to, to that you can actually do to earn God and look noble or to look holy and righteous in your own work, and it turns them into something else, right? And it points us to the love of God. So when you look back at the text and it's talking about let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth, that's what it's giving you clarity on, right? So in word or talk would be this part where it says, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. It's a whole lot of noise. It sounds really good, right? So you ever had friends or whatever that talk about how much they love you? but they're never, ever, ever there when they need you? Do you get where I'm coming from? After a while, it's like, that's a noisy gong. You're like, yo, you're making a whole lot of noise. You speak really, really good, but you never, ever come through. Do you get where I'm coming from? So, so it's, 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 it doesn't want us to get, number one, it's calling us to this place of maturity as believers. Stick to the script, to the word of God. Because this other thing that looks good it's not good. It's actually really, really bad. You might be in better shape if you're just really completely off rather than like love in word or talk, this thing that actually isn't real. So it calls us to this place where it's like hold to truth for dear life, right? And then your deeds, let the deeds that are produced out of you be fruit that pours out of what Christ is actually doing in your heart, in deed and in truth, all right? So it says, love is patient and kind, love does not envy or boast. These are things or whatever that do not naturally flow out of the human heart. Where they flow out of is the heart that has experienced Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, right? So I think one of the things that you've probably heard me say before is that, you know, we esteem good works. We do. We, we, we want to walk in them. As a church, we do them. We go serve places. We serve people um, that can't always serve themselves. Um, and, and, and different things like that. But the fact of the matter is, we don't do it because we're good. It's, it's not the case at all. Because when you step into this stuff, when you step into serving and loving people, what you will find out about yourself really quick is that you are not that good, right? When you have somebody and you go, you know what, I really, you know, just you should start coming to church with me. And a lot of us are like, yeah, awesome. You know, just wanna do some work and evangelize and all that stuff. But when they live across town, they start hitting you every week, and they really want to get close to the Lord. You might find out you're a little bit less interested in them getting close to the Lord than you want to. And then when gas prices going up, you might be like, I was going, you might stop going to church just because you can't go get them to go to church. What I'm trying to tell you is that you will find out you're not as good as you think you are. Do you get where I'm coming from? And so our consistency in us walking and us doing things indeed that are God glorifying, they're God glorifying because when you're in them, you're not going to feel all happy and all whatever in the midst of them. You're going to literally be on your knees praying and asking God to give you the power to keep pushing forward, to keep striving to his glory. You won't be telling the story like, yeah, we killed it. They were out there. People were starving. And we, you're going to be like, it was hot. 
I wanted to come home. I had a Netflix series set up. I was going to run through that bad boy the whole Saturday, 60 episodes, eating cookies and milk, and I was just disgruntled while I was out there, but I thank God that I made it through. Do you get where I'm coming from? I just want to give you room to be real. The Proverbs 31 woman is super real. She's super real. The fear of the Lord is the crown she wears on her head, all right? I'm going to end this with this right here. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. It says, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may, may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so, th so through Christ we share abund abundantly in comfort too. I want you to catch this verse 6 right here. It says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when, you're patient, when you patiently endure the same suffering, sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you are also, also share in our comfort. We read this scripture a lot in here, and, um, and, and, and uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's an important scripture for the body of Christ to hold on to all the time. Um, because it puts it so plainly when it talks about the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Like, not for the sake of just being cliche, but like when I think about moms and I think about their comfort that they give or whatever, right? Like, I think for a lot of, I don't care, you can go to the most hardened criminal in the jail, and they're going to talk to you about their mama, right? They're going to talk to you about their mama because a lot of the times when everybody leaves and forsakes them, mama's going to be the only one popping up. It just is what it is. It's the truth. Um, I think even about some of my, my, my teachers that I've even had in my life, and I just remember when I was in high school, I was just a straight nutcase, right? And so... And this is kind of leaning towards the idea of being a spiritual mother that I just think that God is just like, that just, that women possess, just a power that I think a lot of women possess that just is different with men, right? Not that God doesn't use us in, in these ways, but with women it's just different, right? But I just remember that, you know, I was going through a season where I was like in and out of juvenile. Um, the police were coming up in my classes, like arresting me, and then, you know, I come out of juvenile, be like, man, I'm gonna do good, talking to my teacher, whatever, I'm gonna do good, get on the right path, get on the straight and narrow. All right, anyway, I'm gonna get on the straight and narrow, and then two weeks later, the police come back in the classroom again. But there was teachers that like, they always looked through me, and they looked, they looked at me like they knew something about me I didn't know, right? So it's like this thing where I, I was using it for an anchor because it's like the darkness is pulling me into the streets, but it's as if they always spoke to me like there's more inside of me. They spoke past what was happening in the present, right? Or, or, or even saying stuff like, man, like I just think that you're going to be like, that you just got power, like you're going to lead people, whatever. I'm like, 
who are you talking to? Like, I'm, I'm fighting a case. I'm, I'm young in this, and I'm already going back again. Like, I'm, 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 I'm living the life of a fool, right? But they're, like, speaking life even in the middle of that. They're comforting me. And, I, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm wondering why, but they're comforting me, right, in my affliction. They're doing what this scripture talks about right here, right? This is the power that God gives us as his children. He lavishes. He's the father of mercies, and he's the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Right? When we look at the scripture and Jesus says, you know, you gave me, I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was hungry and you fed me. And the people are like, yo, when did we do that? He's like, when you did this to the least of these. Right? He looks at, he looks at everybody as image bearers of God. So he calls for us to father people who not, aren't even our kids. And mother people who aren't even our, our kids and to be friends to people who aren't even our friends because he takes it he takes it as an utter offense against himself he takes it personally when we just step over people like they're nothing do you get where i'm coming from so that this is why i say to say something like being a spiritual mother or a spiritual father it doesn't say it in the text like that but it says it just like that do you get where i'm coming from like god is the, the when when god looks at the brokenness in the world. In Romans 8, when he talks about the world being subject to futility, it's a mess, and it won't get right. And you as humans can work as hard as you can, but sin has broken this thing, and I'm the Savior. You're not going to sidestep me and make it all pretty. You can do whatever you want to, but he's the Savior. He's the hero of the story, right? but he brings us into a story. He redeems us as the lost, as lost sheep. He brings us in and makes us ministers of reconciliation. Calls us to find his enemies and bring them back into relationship with him. The same way we were enemies, he calls us to go find other enemies. You get me? He puts us on his team. We're in his army. We're in the Lord's army. Y'all used to sing that as a kid? Y'all know that? All right, I'm going I'm to drop a remix. Y'all hear it? Anyway. I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir. Y'all know that song? Say, you know that joint. Morgan, we got to sing that in Kidsville. But, like, we're in the Lord's army. We're in the Lord's army. And we all have this amazing place of value. The word is not even significant. It's beyond what we can comprehend. The Bible calls us a royal priesthood. It gives us a title, right? This reality is that we're wretched and don't deserve here, but by the grace and mercy and goodness of God, we are in this amazing story. We are redeemed, we are his children, and not only that, we're in the Lord's army, right? We are reconciling things that are broke. The breaches that have happened in society that are just cracked in half or whatever, God tells us, like when we're like, God, this thing is messed up. Lord, there's this young boys in here, they need fathers or whatever, they need mothers. He sends his army in, it's me and you. There's no better place to be in. There's nothing else better we can do to that. All right. Verse 6, he says, if we, are afflict, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. I'm, I'm going to leave you with this one right here. I want, I want to leave you with this right here. 
what this scripture is saying right here? It's saying that when you are in the struggle, when you are going through things, if you are a mother today or if you are a woman and you like, and I gave those different stories or whatever, and you're like, yeah, my, my mother's story is a little different, right? When you, when, when, if, if you're in that, when you say like, yeah, my story, my, it's a little bit different. He says in verse 6, he says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. There is this thing that's actually happening where when we are suffering, sometimes we are actually getting rich so we can lavish it on other people. If you ever do ministry, a lot of the answers that you're going to give to people is going to come out of some type of pain you've experienced and then some type of comfort that you can testify like, but God is faithful. I know that pain. I know what it looks like to be in walking utter shame. I know what it looks like when you've done so much. You're like, how can I ever look at anybody and even mutter a word about God after I've made such a fool of myself, hurt from so many, hurt so many people, took from so many people, but then you experience the fruit of God redeeming what was broken. It's not always the Proverbs 31 story, right? In eternity, it will be forever and ever. But while we're here on earth, we're in the middle of working through some of these things, right? We're in the middle of some of these things or whatever, and our stories and our narratives are different. But I'm just telling you, I want you to know that you can praise God and give, and give him worship all the time because no matter, what kind, no matter where you're at in this story, how broken it may be or how whole it may be or if it's the fairy tale or it's not, it doesn't matter. God is actually using it for his glory, and you're getting rich in the middle of it. Because somebody's going to be on the other side of it that's going to be confused. They're going to be lost. There's schools around here full of kids right now that would love for you to show up and just tell them there's something better than what they believe right now. You're getting rich. You understand where I'm coming from? So God, when he looks at brokenness, he answers it with his son, Jesus. He answers it with his son, Jesus. That's what he does. Let me pray really quick. We're going to do communion. God, I praise you, Father, Lord. Lord, I thank you for entering in our story. I thank you, Father, Lord, that even when we are a utter mess, you are in our story. I thank you, Father, Lord, that when we got it all together, you still whispering my ear to chill out and don't get cute because I think everything's going all right. In bad shapes on both sides without you. I can't do good and stay there without you. And I can't do bad without getting better without you. Lord, like, I thank you for saving us from ourselves and our sinfulness and our affinity for sin and our, our wretchedness, Father. You are truly our Savior, Father. And so we just praise you and we thank you for that. God, we thank you for this day, Father Lord. We thank you for 
that there is a day even carved out to celebrate mothers today, Father Lord. God knows, Father Lord, I don't know where I would be without the prayers of my mom. But Father Lord, even if she didn't do all the noble things, I thank you that she pointed me to Jesus. But even if that wasn't the case, Lord, I thank you, Father Lord, that in your bigness and in your sovereignty and the story that you bring us in, you simply loved us enough to, for, to have somebody give birth to us. So we're grateful for that. We wouldn't be here without our mothers, Father Lord, without our fathers, without you bringing that narrative and that story together. Um, our gratefulness in this is so shallow because we can't even comprehend the stories that precede us to bring us here today. And I think if we could, it would just horrify us all to understand the magnitude of that you work in, the way you work, like time can't even hold you. But God, we're just grateful, Father. We're grateful for your son, Jesus. We're grateful, Father, Lord, that you are redeeming, that you've redeemed us, but you are um, sanctifying us. That in the afflictions we face, Father, Lord, that you're in, inside of these, these moments with us when we feel lost and alone. And that you're even making them fruitful, Father, Lord, that we can lavish somebody else with it, Father, Lord to see them made whole in their brokenness, Father Lord, that we could proclaim the, the, the marvelous truth of who you are. God, I pray for our church more than anything, Father Lord, that you help us to be the type of church that um, loves the women in our church well, Father Lord, that celebrates them, that, 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 that supports them, Father. And we need your help to even do that better. I pray that you help us to celebrate um, just all the husbands in here that you help us to be better at loving our wives Father Lord um, we don't we don't assume that we can just do that we need your Holy Spirit to show us how to do that better so I think I thank you that you're near and present Father Lord that we can call on you and ask for your help here Father and ask for your help here. So we just praise you, and we thank you for that, Father. We pray for anybody in the room today that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Father. I pray, Father, Lord, for them. I pray that you'll do a work in their heart, Father, Lord, that would draw them into you, Father, Lord. That for all the things they're confused about, everything that seems broken, that everything that just doesn't seem clear, for all the things that they hold on to that they feel like are better than you. That your love and your mercy to them would be that you would show them what's true. And that you would save them, Father. So we praise you and we thank you, Father Lord, for all of them and everybody in this church, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.